For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This pod is brought to you by Brand MN. They're a Minnesota company that makes awesome shirts and more for Minnesotans. So odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, which you are, they've got something that you'll love. I personally like the Scratching Post shirt. It's a picture of a cat scratching on the WNBA Championship trophy. It's for the Minnesota Lynx, and it can be yours. All you have to do is go to brandmn.com and use the code AWAW for 15% off your order. Your closet will thank you. Welcome back to the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast. I am your host, Brendan Hetke. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hetke NBA. And you can find the show on Twitter at AWAW underscore podcast. And as always, this podcast is a part of the A Wolf Among Wolves podcast network. You can find A Wolf Among Wolves at AWAW blog on Twitter or at AWolfAmongWolves.com. And today on the show, we again have a very special guest, once again joined by the one and only Jack Borman of Canis Supis. How's it going, Jack? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, not, you know, I'm writing an article that I'm enjoying quite a bit, so that's fun, and that'll be out probably early next week sometime. But yeah, that one should be a blast. Yeah, Are you working on anything special? No, I am. Uh, I'm taking. I'm taking. I've taken the the past couple. Of, I I did a podcast yesterday, um, but and finished finished a piece on Devin Booker. Um, that was that was a long one. Uh, that took, great piece. That took took me probably about a week to do um so I'm, I'm kind of kind of hitting pause for the next few days um to just get out get out go golf a couple times this weekend and um and just kind of kind of take a short break but um yeah but after that um yeah i think that that i'll get back into it potentially looking at some more off-season targets for the wolves and as well as um potentially having some fun with the uh with the NBA restart, um, hopefully, hopefully all that goes goes according to plan, so we can get some stuff out about that, um, right. which will be a ton of fun too. So, yeah, no, it definitely should be fun. Um, definitely, you deserve a break after those four thousand words on Devin Booker too, because <laughs> that that was a great piece, by the way. I absolutely love that. If anybody's listening and they want, you know, you're interested in Devin Booker or you hate the idea of Devin Booker 
coming. Go read Jack's piece over at canisupus.com. Absolutely phenomenal. Breaks down what could go right, what could go wrong, how it could happen, everything. So if you're interested in that, make sure you go out and uh, check that out. But anyways, today, Jack and I are going to be kind of playing a game. Not really. We're going to, more or less, we have some would-you-rather um, options for the Timberwolves. So there's a bunch of two-sided things where we're going to pick either one or the other, and that's what uh, basically the entire episode is going to be about. But I do want to open up with something that I found today when I was researching for my article, and I have to talk to Jack about it because I think it's really interesting. I want to hear his thoughts. So, um... Obviously, you know, the center position is evolving, right? And a lot more shooting, a lot more passing. If you had to rank the top three, like, center passers in the league, who would you put? I would probably put, ah, oh man, that's tough. I would probably put, or I mean, I mean, Jokic is, is pretty clearly number one. Um, okay. But after that, I think it gets, like, it gets kind of interesting, Um I think Bam Adebayo is a really good passer. Okay. Um, I think he's a really, really underrated passer. I agree. I don't know if I'd put him two or three, but uh, and then once you get after that, I mean, you start thinking about someone like Cat, um, just because just because he's so talented and and dynamic with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact, kind of kind of looking at his his shot gravity from the perimeter, but also just how much attention he garners whenever he has the ball in his hands. I think that, you know, he's really improved. So again, I don't know if I'd put him, if I'd put him three, but those are kind of the first three guys um, that, that come to my mind, you know, when I hear of, you know, centers that can really centers that can really pass the ball. Okay, right. And those are the three guys that I have. One, two, three. If I had to name them, it's Jokic, Bam, Cat. Depending on your order, it doesn't really matter. What I'm saying is, I think Cat could possibly become a better passer than Jokic. Because, and here's the reason why. I was looking at all sorts of stuff just because I, 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 I get into like a rabbit hole and I just kind of like keep going down and I <laughs> find weird stuff and I got to look at it. So basically... Jokic obviously averages 6.9 assists a game this season, which is like astronomical numbers for a center, obviously. Um, and then Cat averaged 4.4. But if you had to guess who passes the ball the most in the entire NBA, who do you think it is? Not just centers, just players in general. Who passes the ball more than anybody in the league? I would probably say. Yeah. Jam- I'd probably say James Harden. No, it is Nicole Jokic. She passes the ball the most in the entire league. 75 passes a game. That's a crazy. Obviously, that's just like an odd stat that I would not have like ever, right. <laughs> ever gotten I, into. I just randomly stumbled across it because I was looking at D'Angelo Russell's passing ability. So I look it up and I go, you know, I want to see where how many passes D'Lo makes compared to the rest of the league. So I'm looking and I sort it by most to least. And right at the top, it's Jokic, and then Ben Simmons is underneath. And Ben Simmons is like two passes less per game than Jokic. That's a pretty um, significant... Yeah, like that's... Ben Simmons and Jokic probably would have been... Probably wouldn't have been too far behind, but... It's just like thinking about what guys have the ball in their hands most often, and like those two offenses are very clearly run through both of those guys. So it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just like... And, and they're both like very non-traditional... <laughs> like offensive initiators which is just kind of kind of a cool thing to think about right so 
then I'm thinking, you know, 75 passes a game and that just under seven assists. And I look at Cat, Cat throws 45 passes a game and he's got 4.4 assists. So Cat's passes actually are 9.6 of his percent of his passes turn into assists. Where only 9.1% of Jokic's passes turn into assists. So then I was thinking, well, there's got to be something more to this. So then I go into all sorts of things. I look at turnovers, and there's a thing called turnover ratio. Basically, so how many turnovers per 100 possessions do you have? Cats is lower than Jokic's by a small margin. And, and Bams I'm, I'm, is actually. I'm not surprised by that just because Jokic has thrown so many more passes and he tries to thread the right. needle so much more, especially when you're looking at. Outlet passes, like Jokic will just throw home run outlet passes mm-hmm. that right. I think just has like a higher percentage chance of either getting intercepted or tipped out or just like poorly thrown that go out of bounds. Uh, uh-huh. But but yeah, like I, I kind of know where you're going with it and it's just like it's interesting to think about. Um, and I think it'd be even it's going to be even more interesting now that, you know, having guys like like D'Lo and Beasley surrounding Cat, um, and, and hopefully, you know, another shooter at the four, or, mm-hmm. you know, just like other other secondary and tertiary guys that can spot up around him and, and make open shots. Like, I think Cat very easily could have averaged six and a half or seven assists a game last year if he would have had better shooters around him. <laughs> right, and that um, was kind of the whole point. Because, okay, so we go back two years ago, Cat averaged 2.4 assists per game in his third year in the league. Then last season, he averaged 3.4, and then this season, it was 4.4. So it went up mm-hmm. exactly one every year. I'm not saying it's going to keep going, because obviously sometime it's going to plateau. But what I'm saying is, this team offensively is just going to keep getting better. Because you're going to have, you know, Cat hasn't played with Beasley yet, hasn't played much with D'Lo yet. So I could see Cat hitting, you know, five assists per game a little maybe even six assists a game next season i'm not going to say he's better than Jokic. i do believe Jokic is no matter i'm a stats guy but i'm also you know you the eye test is important too but i think it's interesting to you know Jokic always has the uh, passing ability that really sets him above cat when you look at like who's the best center in the league but i don't think it's as big of gap as people really think it is and i think the gap's closing a little bit cuz jokic has always had better players around him to score the ball also so i think you know in a couple of years we might look at cat and jokic and understand like it's closer than people think it is yeah i mean i don't think the gap is enormous but i don't know like i think it's pretty safe right right now anyways to think that oh, for sure. that that jokic yeah. is a much much better passer than cat is um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it'll be an interesting thing to look at kind of as the season develops next year. Um, j- just because I think once you already kind of have a, a narrative about you, which Jokic is, is just that he's an incredible playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting to see if that gets challenged at all by somebody else becoming really good at the same things or, or what have you. But uh, but I also just think that the degree of difficulty on Jokic's passes and the reads that he makes are so much more advanced than anything yeah. Cat does. And I think that just looking at the raw assist numbers may not necessarily be the best way to, to right. judge it just because I definitely think there needs to be more of a discussion about kind of the reads and 
the the sets that are specifically made for Jokic to make these kind of passes as a fulcrum in the offense. But yep. um, but yeah, you know, I I definitely could see a path for for Cat to lead the league in assists. I don't think it'll ha- or lead the league in assists at the center position. Yeah, um, like I don't think it'll happen. But um, but yeah, like I said, it'll just be an interesting thing to monitor as as the season goes along next year. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not gonna go out and say like this isn't to make a point that Cat's better, and I don't know if he ever will be better. More my point is that I think we should be excited for what Cat can do offensively next year. Because as a focal point, even not so much scoring-wise, but you know, dis- distribution, playmaking, everything, I think in this offense compared to where we were in the Thibodeau offense, he's going to have even more of a role there. And I think we, my main point is just you know, be excited for what Cat uh, can do offensively, not just scoring-wise next year. And Bam's, nu- Bam's numbers are right up there with Cat and Jokic too. Bam is an incredible passer, and I don't think people really think about it because he's not overall like a dominant offensive player like Kat and Jokic are. Right. But Bam, Bam's passing is, you know, Bam right now, I would say Bam is even a better passer than Towns is. But I would those... agree with that. But he's also a better ball handler, I think, than Cat is. Yep. Just in, in the sense of like, I mean, I mean, Cat can pull off some pretty crazy things, but Bam, I think, is just a little bit more fluid. And mm-hmm. I think the fluidity of things can kind of help him get to his spots a little bit easier and handles from a playmaking perspective like I think there's very there's differences in in handles between like if you have handles just to simply score the ball versus like handles to drive the lane looking to pass and I think that's more of that's more the skill set that that Bam has at least that I've seen Um, whereas I think Cat more of his moves are are used to to score whether it be step backs on the perimeter or kind of getting out and running in transition um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean it's it's definitely an interesting conversation to be had. Yeah, but anyways, that's enough on that. That was just a thought that came to my head like like an hour or two ago. Anyways, so let's get into these would you rather questions. So the first one we have written down, we talked a lot about these two players uh, last week, and the question is would which free agent would you rather bring in, Jeremy Grant or Sergi Baca? Um. So for me, I mean. I'm assuming we're not really having con like do you want to talk about the feasibility of them or rather just stick just to like the player like on the court. If you if contract didn't matter and you could just plug and play one of these guys and regardless of anything. Oh, it'd on be the same it'd be team. it'd be Serge Ibaka for me and it wouldn't be particularly close. And the reason for that is because he's a veteran guy that's been so steady Eddie around, you know, two centers mm-hmm. that you know, I haven't been particularly great defenders uh, in, in Stephen Adams and, uh, and and now Marcus Saul uh, in in Toronto. Um, and, and the the thing that's, or I mean, at the time that they were playing with with at the right, time he was playing right. with with the centers. Um, but I do really think that that Serge Ibaka just defensively is so much better than is so much better than Jeremy Grant is. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because. You know, Ibaka has more of a rim-protecting presence and is really Correct. smart when he switches out onto the perimeter. And that's not to say that Grant isn't those things or aren't either of those things. But I do think that I do think that the, that with Grant you have more of a an, a guy that needs to be off the ball and really only makes a huge difference when 
you know, he's rotating off the backside uh, when the ball's kind of coming his way, whereas I think Surge can kind of deter people from from coming his way just from right. the physical presence of him being there. And, I th- and I'd rather have Surge, too, because I think you could have Surge really make an impact for you against teams in the playoffs. Because I think in the playoffs, what's going to happen is if, is if this Wolves team gets in as a 7 or an 8 seed, I guarantee you that either team at the, at the top, whether it be the Lakers or the Clippers, are going to try and throw two big lineups at you uh, and, and say, try and do your four out one right. in thing better than we can do our two big thing. And I yeah. think that having a guy like Serge who can very easily play on the perimeter and, and successfully do so um, would just be would just be a, a better fit for, for the Wolves when you're looking at trying to come up with matchups in the playoffs because ultimately that's your goal. That's your measuring stick. You can't just get guys that are going to help you get there. You need to also try and find this, find guys that once you get there can help you go further than just getting there. Yeah. Um, and, and with Surge, too, like, you know, the last five years he shot 39%, 39, 39%, 36%, and then dips down to 29% last year, but is back up to, to 40% this year. So yeah. um, it's just really interesting, really interesting um, overall production that he's he's put up, and it's just been so consistent from him too which i which i love you know 15 and 8 last year 16 and 8 this year you know even at more of an advanced age at 30 right now um st- still a guy who i think is is going to be able to contribute and and would be a very impactful and calming presence for for cat while he's out there especially defensively for sure now i picked the other guy i picked jeremy grant and the reason i picked jeremy grant is i think he's a little bit more versatile defensively he's a little bit quicker and I yep. think that he would be around longer, and you could possibly have him as your starting for four years to come. You know? Yeah, that's, and I think definitely, that's, a fair, that's definitely a fair thought. But I think um, who would help us more currently, and especially help Cap more currently, would be Serge Ibaka. But personally, I would rather bring in Jeremy Grant right now than Serge. But I think it's close. And especially after hearing your argument, it's even closer for me than it originally was, just because, you know, his... He's a big body that's really going to be able to defend the rim, where Jeremy Grant doesn't defend the rim, per se. He's more of like a you know, backside, weak side, help defender on a center or something. So yeah, that's my take. Yeah, and like, and he can switch on to centers for you know a possession here and there, and and stand guys up because he's he's really athletic and he's he's lean, but I think he he's got a strong lower body and he's and he knows mm-hmm. how to you know get lower in order to. Like I just said, help stand guys up on defense, yeah. and I, and I think that's really important. Excuse me, especially for a smaller guy that is is far more comfortable playing playing you know perimeter defense rather than interior defense. But two two guys that you know I don't think you can really go wrong with either one of them, just because they would both be such a welcome sight on on a Wolves team that needs so much help, right. especially defensively. But. uh yeah, it's it, it's definitely something where like if if you told me that we went with Grant, like I I would I would still be yeah. really excited about about that. Right, and uh, I think that's the, that's the reason I picked the two is because you know either if we got either of them, I would be ecstatic about both because I think they both fit this team really well. Right. 
Um, I didn't try and make these easy. I'm not going to be like, oh, who would you rather have, Carl Anthony Towns or Serge Ibaka? Like, <laughs> right. We're going to say Carl Anthony Towns 10 times out of 10. But um, all right. So second one. This one's interesting. We've talked like we've talked about this before, but I don't know if I know your answer. So basically, I'm saying, would you rather pick two players in the first round? So essentially, use the third, whatever it is, third, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever it ends up being, pick and the sixteenth, or would you rather use one and trade it? And it can be depending on trade too. You know, like. Yeah, I think I think it would depend on what trade you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I could definitely see a scenario in which both picks get traded, um, which yeah. would which would probably have to be some sort of sign and trade with Beasley for a bigger fish. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that I would rather pick two players in the first round uh, and, and hopefully be able to sign somebody with the full MLE. Um, whether it be someone like Joe Harris or Jeremy Grant, like you were mentioning, or yeah. just like two guys that, that could definitely slide in and would be really great fits. Um, but yeah, I think I'd rather go with the pick two players in the first round just because you're, I, I don't know, I've, I, I'm assuming that we're going to get a top five pick. That's probably a pretty safe bet. Uh, and and if you end up with a top five pick, you can probably get a guy that can slide in and, and start right away, or at least play big minutes right away. Uh, and and you're able to just fulfill a need, I think, a lot better through the draft, just because you know you have a better idea probably of, of what you're getting in a sen- in terms of how, right. how they might fit into your offense, uh, or how mm-hmm. much how they might fit into your defense. Whereas if you're if you're trying to trade a guy. Um, you know, I think that there's a potential for more chemistry issues or the trade not panning out or, uh, right. I don't know. And it kind of too depends on which, which pick you want to trade. Um, like if you're, if you're just going to trade the 15 or 16, then, you know, then the, the number of people that you can get back with that are obviously way different, different. than, yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of an optimist when it comes to the draft and like to try and see the best in guys. And, and because of that, I think I'm a little bit more inclined to, to pick the two players just because I think it's what kind of dri- can kind of be what drives excitement sometimes in, yep. in, in terms of the future. So that, that's probably that'd probably be my pick unless, you know, you knew exactly what players you'd be getting in a trade. Right. Yeah. And so basically... You know, it's kind of like the two bites at the apple type of thing where it's like you you hope one of them sticks. If two of them sticks, it's like outstanding. But if, you know, at least hopefully one of them sticks. So I'm with you. I would rather take two in general. Obviously, there's trade scenarios that would really change that. But um, my – so when we look at the odds of where the Timberwolves pick is going to fall, obviously we're projected third right now. But the highest odds is to actually six. get the sixth. Yep. Right. And then, you know, it's 14 at 1, 13 at 2, 12.7 at 3, 12 at 4, 14.8 at 5, and then 26% chance to get 6, and then 7% chance to get 7, which is the lowest that pick can fall. So probably a top 6 pick, hopefully, but, you know, hopefully it's a top 3 pick, too. Um, And then the Brooklyn pick, um, obviously, is outside of the lottery, hopefully. Otherwise, we do not get it. So, yeah, um, I, I would prefer to take two guys um just for the same reasons you said but um so if we move into the next one 
if you had to trade one of these picks, would you rather trade the Wolves pick, assuming it's, you know, three, maybe around that area, or the Brooklyn pick? Um, I think I'd rather trade the Brooklyn pick just because if you have the if you have the so let's say you have the third pick, right? Right. Let's, I'm going to assume that Lamelo goes number one, Anthony Edwards goes number two. I mean, you've still got two really really high end players in Killian Hayes and and Devin Vassell that you could take that could mm-hmm. slot that could slide in right away and be really impactful players. I think from day one. So I would much rather have that. Um, and and try and and see their kind of potential come into fruition over the course of right. two three years, and kind of try and use the Brooklyn pick to to trade for more of a veteran presence. Mm-hmm. Just because I think this team absolutely needs more veteran presence. Like I, I understand and respect Rosas's kind of vision of this timeline and wanting to get centerpiece guys that are going to fit the timeline. But I don't think that guys that aren't centerpieces really need to fit the timeline. I think that you know there kind of needs to be a few adults in the room and i think mm-hmm. the players really really like james johnson and i really For like sure. james johnson uh yeah, I do and i think that he has a really positive effect and impact on on especially Cat and Delo, and and I don't think it would hurt whatsoever to try and trade 16 for a player of his mold where you know he can still contribute on the court and and play meaningful minutes um but but isn't a guy you're going to throw out there to play all the time and can 100% be a good teacher in practice and also just be a steady steady hand in the locker room to kind of keep everybody in line and and try and help build some semblance of a winning culture so I'm on the other side again Um, I would trade the third pick and there's just one main reason why is that if I if we're if we're trading that top pick, I'm assuming it's for someone really good. Like I don't think that pick's going to be traded for someone that's not a high quality player. I think if that pick is traded, it's traded in a package to get a star level yeah, type I, player. I, I understand that for sure. And that's why I would rather trade that pick versus the 16th pick, and also partially because the people at the 15, 16, whatever it may be. I like some of them. I'm more confident in the people we could get there for some odd reason. I like the prospects there than I do at the top for the Timberwolves. You know, if we're talking like uh, Patrick Williams or uh, Sadiq Bey being available, I really like the prospect of those two playing for the Timberwolves. And some of these top picks, I like them. I like them a lot. I like Devin Vassell and everything, but I'm not as convinced. I, I don't know why. It's weird, but that's that's kind of how I'm feeling about that. Yeah, I the the thing is is like I just can't imagine that there's any team out there that's really excited about like trading up to the number three pick in right. this draft. Um, and I think that like if you're trying to get a big fish, um, I don't know. I guess it would just probably depend on on who it is for me. But I don't think that there's a lot of teams out there that are valuing the third pick in this year's draft very highly. Right. So I think that you'd probably end up overpaying for whomever it is that you're trying mm-hmm. to acquire uh whereas i think with the 16th pick i don't know more the i think the value of the third pick this year is lower than the third pick in other years whereas the value of the 16th pick this year is probably more similar to 
the value of that pick in, in, in future years or in past years. And because of that, I think you're less likely to have to overpay for somebody or to get a negative return on that asset. Whereas I think yep. the chances of, of getting a negative return on that asset are much, much higher uh, with with the third with the third pick, in my opinion. Yeah, but I, but I again, I'm also just excited about potentially getting Killian Hayes or Devin Vassell because I, oh, I, I love too. those two guys, but... Yeah, me too. Those are my two favorite picks, probably at the top pick. So I, I'm excited too, and I don't. Yeah, it's so tough, and I, I think your argument's fair, but yeah, you're probably right to where we probably won't, you know, get a big fish with that third pick, just because, like you said, they don't value it as much as they might in right. next year's draft or last mm-hmm. year's draft. You know, a p- third pick in last year's draft was who? Was it R.J. Barrett or who? Yeah, that was R.J. You know, like, and like obviously R.J. Barrett versus. I don't like Onyeko Kongwu or whoever's going to be top three this right. year. Like, not you know probably not the same quality of player. At least coming out of college, you know, you, stuff can happen. Obviously, but um, yeah, I, I definitely get your argument there for sure. Okay, All right, what do we got next? Uh, okay. So, would you rather pay Malik Beasley fifteen to eighteen million dollars a year, or pay Joe Harris seven million dollar a year to come off screens just like Beasley does? All right, this one isn't even remotely close for me. Um, I would rather pay Joe Harris seven million dollars. Uh, oh, I won't even think twice about it because Malik Beasley. Uh, I can tell you right now, if he gets paid fifteen to eighteen million dollars, that's an overpay. Um, I think with how depressed the the market's going to be, just as a result of the coronavirus, but also the fact that a lot of the teams who could be in the market for Malik Beasley. Uh, <laughs> I, I just feel like when they had cap space, I feel like there's probably it'd probably be smarter for them to save their cap space and try and go after somebody next summer when there's going to be right. way more options available. Uh, mm-hmm. So I can't imagine the Wolves paying him that much money unless they were matching some other offer sheet in hopes of you know in hopes of trying to be able to trade like keep the contract just to trade it. Uh, right. For for a guy, maybe it's maybe it's Booker, maybe it's Aaron Gordon, maybe it's maybe it's somebody different. Um, and, and I just think with Joe Harris, he he was so good. He had one one of the greatest shooting seasons of all time, in, mm-hmm. in my in my eyes. Uh, the one season he he the playoff season for Brooklyn where he played, you know, alongside D'Lo a ton. Um, right. and feel like he would just give you rock solid production, shooting production. I think he's he's an underrated defender. Like I don't think he's really a good defender, but he's not a negative defender. He's a neutral defender. Um, yep. Who I, I think is gonna is one of those guys that's a role player that can really help swing games for you. His three uh-huh. point shooting, if he gets hot in a game, I mean he can propel your team on on runs and take pressure off of guys like Cat and D'Lo and. Uh, and Malik Beasley too, and I think that an asset like that is really valuable to have at seven million dollars, and still have, you know, two and a half million dollars of MLE money left over. Whereas when you're mm-hmm. talking about Malik, like if you pay that dude eighteen million dollars a year, like I don't know what world Malik Beasley is gonna is his his right. market value is ever going to exceed that. Um, mm-hmm. I like. During the du- or throughout the duration of that contract, right? Okay, um, I picked Malik Beasley, but this one was really close. Um, and you mentioned you wrote about Joe Harris too before, and 
you know, Joe Harris's contract right now was $8 million, but in, you know, a depressed market and everything, I felt like $7 million is a very fair price to yeah, pay for sure. Joe Harris. Yep. And, um, but I still am with Malik Beasley. If, you know, 18 is really stretching it. If I could get him for 15, I still think that's an overpay. I don't even think he's going to get that much. I don't But, know. um, if I could get him for 15, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. So I would go with Malik Beasley just because. Um, for me, I can see Malik Beasley developing into much more of a player. Joe Harris, I don't know how much development is going to come into Joe Harris's game. I feel like partially, you know, part of me thinks, you know, Joe Harris kind of is who he is and he's not going to grow a lot, which isn't, I mean, he's a good player to where if he doesn't grow, it's, he's still very valuable to a lot of teams. But I guess my thing would just be hoping that Malik Beasley does, um, end up, being that third star that can average 20 a game and actually come out to be a plus defender with, you know, as high of a work ethic and everybody says, you know, yeah. So that's where I'm at with that. But, um, there's a world where you could get Malik Beasley on $12 million and still go out and use the MLE on Joe Harris, get, you know, 7 million for him. And then you got 2.3 or whatever's left. And still sign somebody else with part of the MLE as well. So there's a world where you could have both these guys. I don't know if you need both because kind of the redundancy of having, you know, basically their two main skills are coming off of screens and, and shooting and, the ball. And you'd have very little money to give any type of front, right. front to to put together any type of front court depth. For sure, yeah. And that's why I think if you got Malik Beasley, you would want to try and get like a Jeremy Grant or a power forward that would Yeah, I agree. on the MLE for well, sure. Hopefully, hopefully Patrick Williams is around at 15 or 16. Do you um, think Pat do you think Patrick Williams could step in like day 1 and be, you know, decent defensively to where he could start? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think he'd be way better than Wancha on the defensive end and I think oh, for ha- sure. having a guy that can play some semblance of defense next to Cat is important. Do I think yep. that's going to happen? No, I don't. I think that I think that just based on what I've picked up and heard uh, from, you know, just press conferences in the past and and just mm-hmm. kind of reading the tea leaves, I think that they're still going to try and get someone that's a little bit more offensively minded at the four. Like, do I think that's Obi Toppin? No, but I, I think not. it's I, I think it's probably somebody that you know is in free agency right now or a guy that they can mm-hmm. trade for. Um, I mean, they they definitely have to be able to stretch the four and shoot threes, that's right. for sure. But, um, but yeah, like I, I personally would start him right away. I don't know who else you'd yeah. be giving that starting four spot to that's already on the I roster. Would, like I would, I, would, start him. I would rather start Patrick Williams than Wancho. Me too. One just, like one hundred percent. Like not. I mean, I'm, I'm, in my yeah. Mind, I'm, unless you can just guarantee me that Cat is going to be a much better defender than he was last year, right. but that's obviously a big, pretty big ask. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so this next one, would you rather try to make a push for the eighth seed in this coming season, so 2020-2021, or try tanking again to get that pick that we traded to the Warriors? Because the 2021 draft is a very stacked draft. Yeah, I just don't really see the value in tanking. Like, And, and I know that that you know we, we kind of keep saying that you know 2021 is probably when everything is kind of going to start looking like what Mm -hmm. the Timberwolves of the future is going to look like. Um, But I I just don't really see the value in tanking again. I think it would just 
piss Cat off more and frustrate D'Lo, I think. Yep. You know, it would probably result in Ryan Saunders getting fired, and I ultimately want to see Ryan Saunders succeed and, ha- and have him too. be a head coach for, for years to come. Not necessarily because of what he he brings like from a basketball schematic like a schematic mm-hmm. standpoint but just because i think that this franchise really needs continuity uh yeah and the front office and the coaching staff and on the roster too for for that like yeah. i like i know that everywhere i like i'm not going to sit here and say that like the current roster in its current form should be part of that continuity but no like uh yeah, you've so, got to develop, so you've got to, got to start somewhere. Yeah, and I think that you need to show those two guys that like you can win games, and you are starting to put together some sort of a winning blueprint. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, trying to tank to get the protected pick in the in the twenty twenty one draft, that's not going to be easy. <laughs> um, just uh-huh. because I think and- there are going to be some teams next year, whether it be Detroit, whether it be you know the Knicks again, um, that are just not going to be very good, and are going to really kind of sh- really gun for that that bottom of the barrel spot. Uh, so yeah. it'll be it'll be or maybe San Antonio if they blow it all up. I mean, who knows? Well, the, my thing with it is too. Okay, so say you, I'm with you. Okay, I, I would rather push for the eight seed, and I'll get into that in a second. But say we do, we're like, you know what? Screw it. Let's tank. Then we go down. We got we are the worst team in the league. So even then, our odds to get a top three pick, which is what it's protected as, so we need to land a top three pick. Otherwise, yeah, exactly. Like it's not guaranteed. That would be let me see, about forty percent chance you're top three. And then there's a twelve percent chance you get fourth, and a forty-eight percent chance you get fifth. Yeah, I mean, so then the, the say you tank it, you just waste yeah. that. In, you waste that entire season. The only way I'm okay with tanking, and God forbid this happens... Is if somebody gets hurt. Yeah, you know, cat or D-load, you know, season-ending injury or whatever. And then it's like, okay, you know, don't push cat too hard, you know, let him rest. And then I think they would be a little bit more okay with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Then they're not as mad, you know, oh, star player went down, whatever. Um, God forbid that happens, that would, you know, absolutely suck. But, um, yeah, I don't think it's worth tanking. To try and, and that's not really anything I've ever even considered. Um, but I've seen people throw it around and they're like, well, that pick's going to be really valuable. Yeah, but the, the kid, whoever we get in the top three pick, if we do get it, they're going to need to develop when they get to the league. They're not going to be, you know, not many players are John Morant and Zion Williamson when they I come th- in. I think there's going to be players that won't need a whole lot of development. Like John, John, that- Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green. Those guys, like those guys, okay, Kate Cunningham, okay. those guys are not. Well, those are the guys that you take with a top three pick, and I don't think any right. of the. I think okay. I think Jonathan Kaminga could be an all star within the first three years he's in the league. Part of me also, okay, I gotta retract my statement a little bit too because <laughs> the, all the, all those guys you just named, not Kate Cunningham, but like Kuminga just declared he's going to the G League on that that G League team. Yep. Like those, is Green going there too? Yep. Yeah, Green's going yep. there too. You think about it, that's more of an NBA system. So they probably would be more NBA ready, even. Right. And and Cade Cunningham's just a monster of his own. So he, like, I mean, he's, gonna... he's just such an NBA ready guy. I mean, even right now. And what, what is he like six eight? Yeah, he's, he's, a point he's guard? six like, eight. He's like six eight, two hundred fifteen pounds. So yeah, like just okay. So they they would yeah. be ready probably, but still not worth it because, which I think the odds are kind of screwed up because if you have the number one 
projected pick and you could fall all the way to five. I know it's too like exactly what this is about to try and get people not to tank because like your odds aren't that good to land a top pick or whatever but some teams are just bad and then they fall you know i don't know anyways don't tank that's kind of my... <laughs> I, i'm yeah i'm I'm 100 with you because even yeah. if you do it correctly it's still is there's still a very i mean it's more likely than not that you you know get you a know, result that makes 40 percent chance us. you get top three 60 yeah. percent chance you get fourth or fifth and that's if you're the worst team say you're the third worst team it just gets worse yeah exactly um, okay but and another to the opposite side of that i want cat and delo to get more playoff experience cat has five games and he didn't play that well when we played against houston a couple of years ago delo um played i think did delo play decent in the uh playoffs i gotta look it up off the top but, of, um, off the top of my head i'm not entirely sure um but but he was he was obviously on that Brooklyn team that made the playoffs that people might say overachieved last season. Um, let me go check it out. I'm on his basketball reference page right now. So in the playoffs, he he averaged 19.4 points, three and a half assists, three and a half rebounds. So not yeah, and he shot 36 percent from the floor and 32 percent from deep. So right. I would I would not say that that's a very ringing endorsement. So he needs more playoff even if right. they go I mean, and granted, they are the yeah, eight seed like even it, if they're the eight seed and they just get their ass kicked by the one seed it's still you know they can they're just more hungry they've tasted it now they've got more experience playing more than 82 games in a season and yeah I, and like granted you and, have to and granted like delo's not going to be guarded by ben simmons <laughs> but right. um yeah i i just think that you need to get a get those guys a taste of what's going to happen because it's going to be hard to like if let's say they get Devin Booker all right let's say you know let's say they bring in Devin Booker and who also has no playoff experience exactly like and and this team's like a five seed or a six seed Mm -hmm. uh, in their first year like do you just really expect them to go out and win a playoff series with none of them with none of them having you know real playoff experience in the sense that you really had a, a chance to win a playoff series highly unlikely before it started like no yeah so i think i i think you absolutely have to gun for the playoffs and and there's i i would yeah i i wouldn't understand really an argument from anybody that would rather take yeah so even if you don't make it it's good for the guys to you know be in that race to try and make the playoffs the only time the Timberwolves have done that i mean in my lifetime basically that I remember watching basketball was with Jimmy Butler. And, I mean, the Timberwolves went five games with the Rockets, so we stole a game. And, you know, that that's good for someone like Towns. And Towns didn't play necessarily great during that um, series, but he also he averaged 13.5 rebounds in that series too, so there was something there. He just couldn't shoot that well, um, which is unfortunate. But we have to try and make a push for the playoffs. And it's going to be tough because it is a tough Western Conference, but I think the eighth seed is doable if everything does work out how it's supposed to. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. And that's, would you rather trade for Aaron Gordon or Miles Turner, assuming the trades are somewhat similar? Uh, Miles Turner, not even close. I agree, too. I'm not as high on Aaron Gordon as a lot of people are. Um, I don't hate his fit. I don't love his fit. I actually really love Miles Turner's fit. We're talking about a guy 
that uh, a lot of people had as, you know, in their running for defensive player of the year a few years ago, not maybe two years ago. And, you know, just a big body that legitimately can defend the rim. And, I mean, he averaged 2.7 blocks a game last season, 2.2 this year. He can shoot the ball relatively well, you know, like a, he's like a career 35% three-point shooter. So he could space the floor. Um, obviously, doesn't fit Gerson Rosas thing, you know. I would run Cat at the four in this situation because yep. he can shoot better. 100%. And he's def- better on the and, defense- and defensively, he's... You know, Miles Turner is going to man the middle more than Cat is, but I think that would benefit the team a lot more than bringing Aaron Gordon in. I completely, Miles Turner, I completely agree. Miles Turner isn't a guy that's going to take a bunch of shots. The most shots he's averaged per game in his career is ten. That's not a lot. And wasn't and was that when Oladipo was hurt? That was um, last season. Ten, well, ten point seven his second year in the league, but then um, ten point five last. Like 2018, 2019 season. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I, I see. He's definitely a guy that would play more within the flow of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I, I would never worry about Miles Turner taking too many shots. I mean, but he he also is a guy that, uh, like I I've never known him to be a guy that takes bad shots. I've always seen him as a guy that kind of plays within the flow of the offense, and he's yeah. not really an isolation guy, either on the block mm-hmm. or on the perimeter, um, but. But I think that you're going to start to see – I think you're going to start to see – at least I hope. I, I really think that the front office is going to come to a point where they see that teams are just going to try and too big the Wolves to death yep. in big games that matter, and the Wolves aren't going to be able to play their style of basketball better than whatever the opponent is playing. And – and I think that's going to be really tough for them. I mean, if if you're not going to run with at least having a second big that you can use, like having Nas Reed as your second big is is just like not something that's going to work out. Uh, well, I remember. So I remember, you know, not long ago they're talking about uh, basically like we want teams to adjust to us instead of adjusting to teams. Well, that's fine and dandy, but it's kind of it's kind of bullshit to be honest. Like. When you get to a point where, like, they're throwing two bigs at you and you don't have a single big that can defend the rim, there's no chance that you are, you're not winning that basketball game. You're not winning that series, nothing. You need, you know, if Cat was a good defender, sure, you can maybe have teams try and adjust to you because Cat can defend the rim. But if Cat's trying to do it all himself when he's below average, there's no way he can do it. Yeah, I I completely agree. And... I mean, again, yeah. it, it just comes back to they're just banking on the fact that Cat is going to be this really good rim defender, and it doesn't really sound like they have a backup plan. And, and yep. if like he does, if he doesn't end up being this good defender, then like you're going to have to pivot really quick and start playing a different style of basketball. And I would so much rather have them be somewhat prepared for that to happen, or mm-hmm. just be able to play multiple. I mean, you can still play. You're five out, whatever, with Miles Turner, and have Miles Turner be your backup center and still play him 25, 27 minutes a game mm-hmm. um, and put Cat at the four in some lineups. Yeah. But I just, the the, the sheer insistence upon, like on playing this four, like 
one lead guard, three wings, one big mm-hmm. system. I just I don't know. I personally am not not a fan of the of the just consistent you know resistance to looking at it differently. But but we'll see how it yeah. works. Yeah, and I think you know I don't know. I think that having Miles Turner, like you said, even if he comes off the bench and you know, you run Cat in a game where they're playing the Hawks, and the Hawks have Clint Capella, and then John Collins can be guarded by, you know, someone that's a 3-4, because John Collins is, you know, a little more athletic. You don't need, like, a traditional big guarding him. But then you go up, and if you're playing a team that has two bigs, like, good luck with just having Cat out there. I, You know, Cat and then who? Juancho Hernan Gomez? He's not guarding a traditional, like, four in this league. Oh, no, I think they'd just take him down to the block and... Yeah, and go to work. I mean, what what else could happen? But, um, yeah, and Miles Turner and Aaron Gordon, their contracts are similar, and I think a trade for each of them would be somewhat similar because, you know, Miles Turner, both of them are kind of not the greatest fits in their team because, you know, Sabonis is the main big man there in Indiana, and, um, you know, Miles Turner might be getting pushed out the door eventually, and same thing with Aaron Gordon because of Jonathan Isaac and... um. Mo Bamba and everybody else there. Right. Um, all right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, so next one is, would you rather have Malik Beasley start at the two or come off the bench? Is my four an offensive four or defensive four? Um, let's go defensive. Then I would start Malik Beasley at the two. Okay. I think me too. That, I think that, um, yeah, if you've got a defensive guy there, I would feel more comfortable about you know, starting Malik, especially since I think Malik's going to, I think he probably has the clearest path of, of anybody like becoming a of good any defender. good like guard on the Wolves team. That's not already a, a decent defender to become one. Um, just because I don't think he was terrible on defense uh, in his 15 games probably in Minnesota. Neutral. Yeah. Like, well, I think he's probably, yeah, I mean, might be pushing a little bit, but I think that, mm-hmm. I think that Malik, Malik strikes me as a guy that wants to be locked in for the whole entire game rather than yep. some guy that's only going to lock in, in on certain possessions right. or has to carry such a big offensive load that he isn't going to exert as much energy on defense. So I, I, I think that he's he's probably good enough defensively or hopefully will be good enough defensively to a point where he can start alongside D'Lo. But if you've got an offensive four in there, I think that you'd probably think more about starting a Kogi there and mm-hmm. and maybe then going with Lehman at the three and, and yeah. putting and and kind of putting Malik Beasley off the bench and have him come in early maybe for a guy like Lehman and kind of yeah. overlap the overlap kind of that, that first sub lineup with the starting lineup a little bit for three, mm-hmm. four minutes and kind of see how it goes uh, in, the, in that first quarter. But, but yeah, I think that he he's going to be a good enough defender where I think that you'll be comfortable starting him at the two alongside alongside D'Lo. Right, and I wrote a piece a while ago, and I agree with you 100%. Um, but just to the point where, like, I wrote this piece that D'Lo, or uh, Malik, when starting, is just like a different animal than when he's coming off the bench. His efficiency goes up while still taking more shots, which is, you know, kind of unheard of, but... um. I think he just gets that confidence, and his motor's so high, I don't think he really gets tired. So I think he could play, I think he could easily play like 40 minutes a night and just 
I mean, he's going to be tired, but he's never going to let you know that he's tired. Yeah. He's going to work through it. I think, um, obviously, I think he's never going to exactly be a 40... Right. He's never going to be a 40-minute-a-night guy, but he's He just, just has that attitude. Yeah. And I, I like that a lot about him. Um, so I really like him starting for us, especially if we have a defensive um, four. But, you know, if we do... If we have an offensive four who can't... You know, you if you're still starting Wancho or you're starting a... I don't know... Let's go just Wancho. Maybe Jake Lehman for some reason starting at the four. You know, I think we need a a Kogi and Culver starting at the two three then if you have um, you know, like Wancho. because you need that wing defense that's gonna be able to, you know, blow things up. So but I would I would prefer starting Malik at the two. Grant giving I'm just like assuming we're gonna have a better defensive four than we do right now. Yeah, I I I mean it's kinda hard not not to. Um, yeah, right. So but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't want to take too much away from Wancho because I think he's in the right place at the right time, but he's just not strong enough and big enough to do a lot with it, and he gets lost sometimes. But, um, yeah, for sure, uh, definitely need a better starting four defensively. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next one. And this one's interesting. I re- I'm really excited to hear who you pick and why you pick them. Um, and this one's like a hypothetical, too. Um, the next three are very hypothetical like situations. Uh, would you rather have Josh Okogie or Derek Culver become a 40% three-point shooter? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I, you I want w- me to go first? I, I would probably lean towards Jarrett Culver because I think that he's he'd probably have enough decent ancillary ancillary skills, especially off the dribble getting to the rim mm-hmm. where that would be interesting. But I don't know. I'm going to go Josh Akogi. And the reason why I'm going to go Josh Akogi is because I think that he's improved so much uh, offensively, especially with his handle and getting to the rim. Yep. Uh, it, just in this last season that I think if he added a 40% three-point shot, he would be so good at attacking closeouts, and he would just become so much more valuable. I think he would right. become way more valuable to the Timberwolves than Culver would, and the reason why... Well, I mean, Culver would become more valuable really as a trade asset, but Culver yeah. is still so poor for me at the rim and finishing around the rim mm-hmm. and through contact where I wonder if... I, I just wonder if that's ever going to come. Yeah. Uh, and, and if it does, great, but I think that with JL, you already seen huge improvement with his handle and just his overall offensive game. Like I know the numbers still weren't good at all, uh, but just watching watching games and watching film right. on him, I think that I think that the three point shot would would do more for him than it would for Culver. Just because yeah. Culver, I think, would still have more things he'd have to work on. Yeah, and I get that argument. And I I um, well, first off, so. Yeah, J.O. definitely has, um, you know, the numbers don't look, like you said, don't look inflated or anything. Um, but, uh, you know, we're both kind of like stats guys, but we also can understand that like stats aren't everything and you got to kind of take it for what it's worth oh, yeah. as an eye test too. But um, th- one big thing that helped Akogi develop that handle and everything um, was playing for the Nigerian team, um, you know, nationally because... Did you listen to the role player podcast on the Wolf Among Wolves podcast network when Josh was on with Trevor and Jordan? I didn't get a chance to, no. So Josh was basically saying like he's developed a better 
handle and stuff because on that team, he's one of their better players. He's probably their best player. And has to have and, the ball in his hands a lot. Yes, and he's running point guard. And now it's getting, you know, where he's, like, teasing, you know, Ryan Saunders, like, you know, like, run me a point guard, like, all this stuff because he's doing it now. But he definitely <laughs> I love, did. Yeah. I love J.O. He's so funny. He's my, he's, listen to that he's my favorite it's player so on the funny. Timberwolves, and it's not even close just because right. he's such a funny dude. And he's just it's uh-huh. – impo- it's impossible not to just, like, root – as hard mm-hmm. as you possibly can for that guy. Yeah, I love Josh Okogi, but that, that's I'll what he was go, saying. I'll it, have to go listen to it. Yeah, you should. Great listen, Jordan and Jordan and Trevor have had great guests. I mean, they had Manu, not Manu, you know, like Tony Parker on there too, and they've had some great guests. Minneapolis so. business legend Tony Parker. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Isn't that so weird? Like, I found that out a couple of years ago, and I was like. Yeah, I think One? he was on the cover of, like, Minneapolis-St. Like, Paul magazine or something like that. I was like, why, like, why is he, like, invested in Minneapolis? It's cool, though. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm going the other way. I'm going Jarrett Culver. And here's my reasoning for Jarrett Culver. Is I think if he's developed a 40% three-point shot, we can also assume he's a much better free-throw shooter. <laughs> That's and, fair. That's fair. And I think... If he's shooting, he shoots more threes than a Kogi. So if he's shooting 40%, yeah. I think he's taking five a game. So he's making two of them a game or he's taking yeah. six. You know, like if he, he's confident in his stroke right now and his stroke sucks. So you get him to where he has a good stroke and he shoots well, I think he's going to, you know, be better. Right. And, and, you know, the thing that, yeah, I think I understand that. And, and you don't. But I get. I, if you can promise me that. that Culver can become much much better shooting around the rim, like, yeah. I think, and just like finishing through contact, really. Um, I, I think that I w- it wouldn't be hard to convince me to vote Culver on mm-hmm. this one. And you, it's not hard to convince me to go with Kogi because what you just said too, like, I, I want to see both. Outs. I want to see both of them succeed so bad. So it's not me like too. it's not hard for. But Josh and Kogi attacking closeouts, like you talk about Josh. Okay. Josh isn't the best at finishing at the rim if he's not dunking it. But the thing is, if he's at the rim, he is dunking it. Yeah. And he's or just he's so much more. At, yeah. And he's just so. He draws fouls like crazy. Yeah. You know, like he's near the top of the league percentage wise. Um, but, anyways, yeah. So, you know, he's much more athletic than Culver, too, to the point where if he, you know, if he's a. Nobody's trying to close out on Josh Akogi too fast right now because he doesn't shoot that well. But like you said, if he attacks closeouts when he's shooting forty percent a game, you know he's going to dunking. You remember that one where Jake Lehman, you know, pump faked and Zion was coming to the corner, and yep. then he just dunked on Derek Favors. Like that's what a Kogi would do, like very often. Yeah, and, and just to follow up on that, I mean, a Kogi shoots. So the best way I think you can measure like how often a guy gets the rim, as it relates to his overall usage, is you know what percentage of like their overall shots would free throws account for and so yeah 40 he takes or it's really how i should say it is is um is is free throws per field goal attempt so he like the nba league average is 0.25 and and his is 0.48 so like almost double league average yeah he shoots 3.1 free throws a game and he only shoots 6.4 shots right so he's almost yeah, like 50% almost fifty percent. Yeah, and yeah. most in the league's average is about twenty five. So yeah. and you know then James that's Harden's just is like ninety five percent. But no, in all seriousness, Josh Okogie is very good at drawing fouls. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, and I get it too, or the point where Josh is a worse shooter than Culver right now. So like, it'd be worth you know jumping the guy that's a twenty-seven percent or twenty-six and a half percent three-point shooter up to forty versus the guy that's shooting thirty percent and jumping him up right. to forty. And you know, hopefully, and, think, and, and and hopefully too, you know, like the the shooting that we saw from Culver the last. Right, and that could very well be true. Yeah, I hope so. And he could become a 37% three-point shooter. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to light the world on fire, but he could... He could also be... Yeah, I mean, he could also become a 37% free-throw shooter, so it's... Yeah, he kind of already is, (laughs) but... It's like... Yeah. But, yeah, I... I, And I could see a world where both of those guys end up being mid-30s three-point shooters. Yeah. They're they're still young. I mean, they've still got a lot of time to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Culver shot forty six percent from free throw. J O like J O is entering his age, his year twenty like his age twenty two season and yep and you know and then you look at Culver too and Culver's right there like Culver's going to be twenty one. Yep, and, they're it, both or he's, he's twenty one. He's going to be he turns yeah. This is age twenty one. They're both two year so like, college, right? Yeah, Josh went for two years. At, yeah, yeah, they're both sophomores. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is like. Josh is shooting eighty percent from the free throw line, so that bodes well for him, you know, becoming and a solid three-point shooter. And his stroke looks good. It's, good. it's just for yeah. whatever reason, like the shots yeah. just don't go in, which is why I think I'm usually think fine ru- with him shooting. It's just I, I, I don't know. Right. And he usually rushes it. I think is one of his main problems a little bit. Yeah, it's little, the form isn't always consistent. That's definitely fair. He's just so energized that he gets the ball and he knows he's shooting. It kind of happens too fast. I, yeah, I think you know? when, and the game kind of. I think the game slowed down for him a little bit this year, and hopefully mm-hmm. it'll have you know, an even, you know, more pronounced effect next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something that usually comes with with age and, and experience. So, but he's he's definitely getting a, a really good amount of playing time and experience for a guy that's twenty one. So, yeah. All right. Love those two. That's enough on them right now, though. Um, okay, so next question. We got two left. So first one: Would you rather have D'Lo or Cat become an above-average defender? I think I know your answer. Okay, so I know that you're going to go with Cat, and I'm not going to go with Cat. The reason why I'm oh, gonna, really? the reason why I'm going to go with D'Lo is because I think there's a clearer path to Cat becoming an above-average defender, where like he probably doesn't have as tall of a mountain to climb to get there than D'Lo would. Okay. Um, and I just think he, that, ha- he has shown flashes. Yeah. And, and I think it would be easier for him to get there. Whereas when you have D'Lo, D'Lo really struggles moving side to side super quickly and can kind of get caught in pick and roll situations mm-hmm. and, and just not being able to, to really pick up on, on what's coming his way and feel out defenders and, and get above screeners but i and i don't know and i and i i mean this is obviously kind of a pipe dream because i don't think d will ever be even an average defender but yep. just for the sake of just for the sake of the exercise and the argument yeah i think i would much rather well not much rather but i think i'd rather see d become an above average defender just because i do think cat will get there and right. i think that vanterpool i think i think vanterpool is going to really change some of the things that they're doing this year just because I think it was it was clear that a lot of things didn't work last year mm-hmm. and that's not to say that Vanterpool is really wrong I just think to say that there's like better things that you can do and better things that you can try right. and you I mean he Vanterpool as you know as good of defensive mind as people say he is and I believe it but he never really had to deal with someone like Carl Anthony Towns being a bad post defender he was working more with like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and trying to develop them um 
you know, he always had like decent post defenders. Right. I mean, Yusuf Nurkic is a big dude and he's strong and, you know, everything else. And Whiteside. Or Cats and Whiteside. Or not now. Whiteside. Well, Whiteside, Whiteside wouldn't have been there, there yeah. but. Right. So I definitely get that. Um, I, I like your argument for D'Lo, and you're right. I did pick Cat. And the reason why is I just think that Cat is. Um, or center the center position in general is just more important to the defensive success of an NBA team um, because that is the point of entry per right. se to the basket. Hundred percent. But um, the D'Lo argument's good. Cat I think has a better chance to become an above average defender than D'Lo does. But uh, one thing I notice about D'Lo is, yeah, don't get me wrong, D'Lo is a bad defender, uh, but he's better on ball than I thought he was, and I will. I don't have I don't have stats to back this up, so I could be totally misled. But I've heard other Timberwolves writers talk about this too. Is he's actually not bad on ball, but he really just loses people off ball really bad. He's still not great on ball, but he does a better job. Yeah, it's just gotta lock in. <laughs> he always has his eye on the ball, and then he loses his man, and he just it's kind of tough, you know. Where I don't think Cat gets lost as much as D'Lo does, and I think Cat has a chance to become a better defender than D'Lo does and like I said before you know just like the center is so important defensively um for the success of a team so that's why I would prefer Cat too um but I would agree with you that Cat has a you know an easier path to becoming one right. than D'Lo does and again it just kind of goes back to the whole thing that I was talking about with like um shoot what was I talking yeah with um with J.O. and, and Culver cause like the jump that you would see from D'Lo to being above average is so astronomical, whereas right. with Cat the jump isn't quite as big. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess that's that's something too, just because I think having having a good point of attack defender and an average big defender right now, I think would be probably more helpful than just a turnstile at the point of attack yeah. in a in a slightly below average. Or, or, or an above-average center. So, I don't know. There's something to be said. I mean, D'Lo was in the 8th percentile defensively in Golden State, and he was in the 5th percentile defensively when he was when he was in Minnesota. And just, he was in the 1st percentile in isolation defense on the ball, which is almost as bad as you can possibly get. And he was terrible. And he was terrible in handoff situations, but he was good as, as the PNR ball handler defender. 76 yes, and that's, that's what I, So it's just that's what I meant more when on ball. I meant more that yeah. that ball that pick and roll. Yeah, and, defense, he, and he didn't, which is good. Yeah, and he, like I and he didn't defend you know ball handlers in, in pick and rolls much in Minnesota just because he right. they didn't they kind of had him playing off ball and they yeah. had you know guys like Jo or Jared Culver defending right. point of attack a lot more. But um, but yeah, it's it'll it'll be interesting to see if either of them are able to develop and if so, how much. Right. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it goes back to what I said about the shot percentage. You'd rather see a larger gap closed than just like a smaller gap closed to where yeah. like a bigger or it was, jump. Yeah. It was you that success. brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, okay. I, I can see that. And I definitely agree with you there. Um, D'Lo still a better defender than Trey Young though. <laughs> Is he? What? Or are you know. saying? What is, what, or did you say, did you say is he or like? Yeah, I, is, yes, I think he is D-Lo a better, better. I think he is a better defender than Trey Young. Yes, I think Trey yeah. Young. What is, I think Trey Young and Bradley Beal are the two worst defenders in the NBA. But I, 
I think Bradley Beal just doesn't give a crap. I think Bradley Beal could, I mean, has a path to becoming a better defender than than Beal. Just in does. terms of like the physical skill set, yeah. But I mean, oh boy, he was he was hot garbage on defense this year. Yeah, they all. I mean, they all are like. But don't. Okay, I hope there's no Hawks fans listening because if you say anything poor about Trey Young, they come. They come. At, yeah, they come after you, dude. Yeah, but I guess that's how we are with Cat too. But actually, no, because we accept that Cat's a bad. We accept that Cat's a bad defender. Like nobody argues I, I that. Don't, I don't. I don't think he's a bad defender. I think he's an average defender. Like that's okay. that's the thing is like I think I don't think Cat is quite as bad as a lot of people think he is. Well, he's not a good defender. I'm not going to sit here. No, I think and it comes. I just think he's less bad to, than people think he is. I think it comes down to him having to try and cover up for people he shouldn't have to try and cover I, up I for. I completely agree with that. Yeah, so that that really makes his numbers look worse defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and but I, I think that everybody in Timberwolves fandom agrees, like, Cat has to become a better defender for us to have success. But I agree with you. I don't think he's as bad as... Um, I think he's gotten better the last couple of years, too, and I think we've just seen growth, but it all comes down to... He just doesn't really have any help at the four position, which is, you know, when we had, when he had Taj Gibson, I don't know what the numbers looked like, but it sure seemed like Cat tried more when Taj Gibson was next to him. Yeah, and, and I think it's just a guy like that getting more out of you. Mm-hmm, so. for sure. And I think, you know, like, a Serge Ibaka would definitely do that. But, um, all right. This is the last one, and this is more just because I love these two guys, and it doesn't really have a lot of... I mean, this is hypothetical, too. All these last three have been hypotheticals, but who would you rather see develop into a solid, consistent, rotational player? Jared Vanderbilt or Nas Reed? Um, I, I, I think we're probably going to be the same here. I'd rather have Jared Vanderbilt, just because I think that if both realize their full potential, I think Jared Vanderbilt could not be a more perfect four to have next to Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. to kind of help stabilize the entire defense. Whereas, yep. you know, if Nas reaches the peak of his powers, like I'm not quite sure exactly what that player would look like. Right. Like maybe he kind of looks like Aaron Baines, but a little bit yeah. better. Like I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure what that would look like. Um, but Jared but, Vanderbilt developing into him, I mean, that would, you're looking at a Pascal Siakam light version that's a little bit better of a rebounder and a little worse of a shooter scorer, but still a good defender at that four position who can handle the ball and, you know, guard one through four, even up to five, you know. And I think he just, like you said, the perfect fit next to Cat. Yeah, now, it would take a it would take a lot for him to develop into that, but he's I mean he's already the good I, rebounder that you need. I don't I don't know, know if it's as far off as people think it is. I agree. I I think that the biggest thing for Vanderbilt is being able to stay healthy. I mean, Jared mm-hmm. Vanderbilt this year. I mean, he just showed so much, like so much growth as a player, and like he was really highly touted prospect coming out of coming out of high school, going to Kentucky, out of Houston, um, and and just something that like I again I just. I don't think that he's as quite as far off as, as people might think he is, you know. Yeah, I don't when think he, so either. Yeah, I mean, and when he played for the Wolves, you know, the Iowa Wolves, he averaged sixteen, thirteen, and 
you know, th almost three stocks a game. I mean, he turned it over four times per game, which is unfortunate, but um, he didn't really shoot threes. But I, I don't know. I you got to put don't, into context a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I don't he think only he needs playing to shoot 20, He's only playing 29 minutes a game. So then yeah. you go to his per 36, 20 points, 16 rebounds. I mean, this is against G League competition, sure, but it's those better, guys it's aren't better scrubs. Than nothing, yeah. You've seen, how many G League guys have you seen come to the league and be solid rotational players? A lot. There's a lot of stories like that out there. So I, 16 rebounds obviously wouldn't translate to the NBA, but there's no reason. I mean, he's always been known as one of the best rebounders wherever he's been. Yeah. So I think, you know, the three-point shot, sure, that might be kind of a pipe dream for a while, uh, but definitely the rebounding, uh, the defense, and, you know, even a little bit of the offense, you know, just as like a, uh, not a stretch for, but uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? A point forward type right. of role, you yeah. know. And so I don't I really, think he, I don't think he has to shoot threes. I, I don't I think, think he like, does either. I think when everybody, you have Cat yeah. Nilo around you, Emily yeah. Beasley or whoever, and then that plus is. potentially another shooter. Like I just, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I just, I am not married to the necessity for every player on the Timberwolves to just be yep. like a forty percent three point shooter. I think so many people in the fan base. Are just like oh well, he can't shoot threes and he shouldn't be here. He can't play here like mm -hmm. that. Sure, like Rosa, like like I, I'm not inside the head. It'd be of, great of if everybody Gupta. could, but yeah, like I'm not in, in the head of, of Rosa or Gupta. And like, would they prefer that guys be able to shoot threes? Sure, but do I think that that's going to be, you know, the ultimate like red flag or turn off from, <clears throat> from assigning a guy? Like no, and that, right. like we Josh Okogie is still on the roster. And like, uh -huh. He hasn't really been able to shoot threes, but they they've kept him around, um, and yeah. I think there was a reason that he and Cat were the only two real holdovers. Um, yeah, and yeah, so. I, I believe in. Uh, I believe that Vanderbilt definitely was not just a throw-in for that Denver thing to I make the agree. money work. He was an integral part of getting. It was integral for Rosas to get him back. See where I think like Evans and Spellman were more so throw-ins to get the D'Lo trade to work. Uh, at least more so than you know Vanderbilt and um, yeah Vanderbilt was I guess he was the only other player besides Wancho and uh, Malik correct yeah yep that was just such a big trade I can't remember everything but I think so yeah so I think Vanderbilt was definitely like Rosas had a dream to put him in our G League system which is a very good system for developing players yeah especially when the G League runs the exact same system that the NBA team does so that's what Jordan McLaughlin told me. Like we're running the same system, so you get to the point where it's like you got to come up to the NBA. You know what guys are going to be doing. They're different people, but they're running the same stuff. Yeah, I mean Sam Newman Beck's done an awesome job with the Iowa Wolves. Um, just mm -hmm. because you get guys that come up like Jordan McLaughlin. Like, sure, did he really struggle early on in the season? Yeah, but for like I two, mean, like three games, he struggled. You know. Yeah, but I mean, he also wasn't up for that much that long at the beginning. But then, like after he, he came up for two games and, and it looked bad, and, and, then, and I tweeted about it. Yeah, and oh, I said he yeah, was, he did. sucked. It was just yeah, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then like, I felt so bad. Yeah, and then like. Well, just so many other guys, too. Like, when Nas, Nas has come up for a game or two and gotten in, like, he just doesn't look phased. Um, mm -hmm. And I think they do such a good job of keeping those guys kind of pro-ready. And yep. Even Keelan Martin, too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, like, I just – and it speaks a lot, too, to, you know, to some of the other people, like Rosas, obviously. But also, you know, Gianluca Piscucci has experience with, with – as being the assistant GM of the – of the Rio Grande uh, Valley Vipers. Yeah. yeah. 
um, working with Rosa. So I, yep. it's there's a lot of G League influence, and that's why I think you know it's it's really important that they're using the team like they are, and, and they have the infrastructure in place down there to develop guys playing basketball the way that they want to play it at the NBA level. Um, yep. So it, it's just going to be really interesting to see how many more guys they end up trying to acquire to do something like that because i yep. think we're still we're still going to see a lot of trades this year i mm-hmm. we could see three four five different trades that happen this year um like we did last year so and, and that's something that i think is just kind of a nerd basketball nerd i'm most excited to see like sure would i be really excited if we got devin booker just from like a talent standpoint yeah i'd, yeah. I'd be that would be, really, be really fun but i think the more technical developmental kind of nerd in me really wants to see what types of guys like that they're going to bet on it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see that do you think uh you think vanderbilt gets a shot this season at, at the big, I th- big level i think, think he it's could like year? if like I, I i generally think that it's next like next next year uh like the mm-hmm. 2021 2022 season um but you know who knows i mean if he starts out down there and he's averaging like 24 and 15 he's just bullying dudes and playing yep. awesome defense i why not what what else are you going to do what else do you have to lose by like and trying i could use the help rebounding right I, it's just, I mean cat's a good rebounder but he's just not down there as much anymore yeah i it, it'll be really Especially interesting yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting to see um what ends up happening on that front i if we don't bring in a power forward either trade draft or free agency i would be shocked. i'm just gonna ass, i'm just gonna assume that jared vanderbilt's getting a shot yeah, we don't bring I, anybody I, mean, in. I don't think Vanderbilt that has to be I would, a shot. I would be absolutely shocked if they didn't bring somebody in, but I think that would be a Me fair. I'm like, if that actually did happen, I think that would be a if fair. That I think happen, that'd be a fair assumption for sure. Because you're, I, I would assume that you're not running just Wancho and Jake Lehman and just you, you the basketball cannot gods that. that it works. No, you can't. You can't. Right? No, it's hope is not a strategy. Right. So yeah, we're both Jared Vanderbilt right. over Nasri developing and realistically even if you know jared vanderbilt didn't fully develop i think even if he's just a backup um that gets like nine minutes i just think a backup power forward is just more important than a backup five because we have cat cat's gonna play is and especially 36 minutes a night and especially if you're playing a drop coverage too because then your center's not switching and your right. power forward is going to be switching is going to be asked to do i mean guard guard more people defensively yeah. is he's right. just he's just he's so switchy yeah because he's just so athletic at his size too. He's got the good length. He's got, and he's strong. Do you see that picture of him? He's look, he looks jacked. Yeah, like he's I mean, just ridiculous. He's always been really athletic and physically imposing. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was way bigger than than his you know, classmates in high school, and by that I mean just like other guys in that recruiting class. And I, and I was really excited to see him going into Kentucky. But I mean, from injuries happen. Yeah, like injury. Then the injuries kind of got the best of him. It just stinks to see that. Um, but yeah, like I'm. I'm excited to see. I, I'm really excited to see what what his development from this summer looks like because I know that he spent a lot mm-hmm. of. I know that he spent a lot of time here in Minnesota, uh, which which I think is important and kind of yep. just shows how committed you are and and that you know you want to utilize all the resources that you have available to you, which I think is awesome. Um, and, and I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna end up pay, paying dividends for him. And 
like I said before, even if he's not able to shoot and he can just come in and play rock solid defense and rebound the hell out of the ball. Yep. I think that's enough to warrant a warrant. Mm-hmm. a role as like a seven eight. I think so. Too. Or it's like an eight or 100%. ninth guy. So yeah, he's he's very very interesting. Obviously, you know, um, I love Jared. He's probably one of my favorite wolves that you just like don't really think about. But it's like, oh yeah, Jared Vanderbilt's still on this team. The guy needs a shot. Um, the only knock I have on him is his lower body strength isn't near what his upper body strength is. Um, you know, he could get a stronger footing and everything, but, um, I mean, if, if you're not really guarding fives that often, I don't know how big a deal that really is because it makes him more versatile defensively to switch down to ones and twos as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know him that, that well, but, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, you know, I, with, with a, with a summer like this where guys are going to really, really be in the gym because there's not a whole lot else they can do. You'd hope that, You'd hope that some of that can kind of <laughs> be alleviated by just right. really working out and, and building building mass in, in your lower body. So, for sure. All right, um, that's all I had. You don't have any special ones you want to throw out, do you? I don't. No. Kind of covered everything. <laughs> no, I think um, I think you did a great right. job with it. Awesome. Well, we disagreed on a lot, but I I mean a lot of these are so close that like um, I think it was good to disagree that we're not just. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, you'll have to put polls up to see what other people think. Oh, yeah, I definitely... I thought about doing that beforehand, but I didn't want to spoil what was going to be on this. That makes sense. So um, I'm going to do it after here. That's a good idea. I I didn't even think about doing it after, but that would for sure um, be good. So I'm going to do that. So watch for those. If you're listening to this, they'll be on my Twitter. Um, But yeah, other than that, thanks, Jack, for coming on. This was definitely a good uh, discussion, I think. It was interesting to see your thoughts on, you know, a lot of the same things we... You know, I think it was to the point where, like, we both, like, understood and, like, I could go either way on a lot of these things. And, like, you know, hearing your arguments really, like, defined that for me, too. Yeah, you know, I think I could go either way on... on not tra- all not all of them. I think I could probably go either way on, you know, picking two players in the first round or just right. one and trading it. The J.O. and Akogi mm-hmm. is a 40% three-point yep. shooter. Um, or as... You know, D'Lo or Cat becoming an above-average defender. Right. Like, I, I could go either way on those. Beasley starting at the two, coming off the bench. That's more of a situationally-based one. Yeah, like, it just um, totally depends. It Like, context is important for that one. Like, it depends on what he has around him. So, yeah. But, yeah, it was definitely definitely a good exercise, and I'm, I'm for sure interested to hear what to hear what a lot of other people have to, have to say as well. Yeah, for sure. So I'll get those probably posted here. I might post them before I publish this episode, just so we can see what people say right but um all right well that's i think that's all we had so thank you all for listening i'm brenda hedke that was jack borman also check out jack's work canisupas.com at on twitter at jr borman 13 again i'm for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.